Hey everybody, it's Joe Trippy, and welcome back to That Trippy Show. This week, I can't believe I'm agreeing to this, but we're gonna try to do a campaign manager lightning round. It's Alex's idea. So many of you asked, how would you handle this situation? We thought we'd give it a shot. We'll see if it's actually quick. Because, you know, I can get pretty long-winded, guys. I'll get to as many as I can. Alex, where should we get started? So this week, and really since the debate, we've just gotten so many questions, basically with the same theme. And paraphrasing, how would you, as a campaign manager, former campaign manager, you've run all kinds of races, handle Situation X or Situation Y? And I thought we'd kind of condense them and just throw some at you and see where you go. So... I think it might be kind of fun, Joe. Yeah, okay. With that awesome enthusiasm. <laughs> so some of, a lot of a lot of them, and again, I think there were seven or eight asking about different primary states, but I just want, sure, because and you, and I think it might be helpful to explain, before you were running national campaigns, you were actually moving state to state for presidentials, which I think maybe not everybody on this call knows. And one of the questions was, if you had a candidate in the Iowa primaries right now, like what should they be doing right now? Not what are not what are they doing? Not Ron DeSantis doing whatever he's doing, but, but like how do you actually win in Iowa? Well, this cycle of win in Iowa is taking second place. I mean, you can go for first and hope you can topple Trump, but the the, the key here is just to finish ahead of the rest of the field. That's what the mistake they're all making because they're all you know they're all focused on how they're going to be like Trump or how they're going to take Trump on, how they're going to beat Trump. And in Iowa, the game is really simple. Um, you, 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 know, you look at the rest of the field, forget about Trump right now. You don't have to outrun the bear. You just have to outrun everybody else in the field, right? Because if you get there, that's what's going to launch you. I mean, that's what's, uh, you know, look, I, I ran Iowa oh, too many times. <laughs> the problem is once you win Iowa, then everybody thinks like, great, I'll hire that guy. He, he, he'll win it again. And I won it in, 80, uh, in 84 for Fritz Mondale. And then, uh, and then as deputy campaign manager for Dick Gephardt, we came from dead last and we won it again in 88. So Was that uh, the Hyundai ad? That was the Hyundai ad, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Hyundai ad I, that I, I, I came up with, uh, with, with some others. But, but yeah, it, it, we were in last place. That ad went up and man, bam. Uh, Dick went in the lead, uh, rolled past uh, uh, Dukakis and, and uh, uh, Paul Simon. But so you've got to basic. It's just, by the way, the same thing happened with Barack Obama when he defeated, you know, one Iowa. It answered a hell of a lot of questions. Like everybody was like, no, the country's not ready. The country's not ready. And here is like this 97 percent white state, which still gets a bad rap. <laughs> in the party for some reason. It's not being diverse enough. And it's not. I understand that part. But Barack Obama did win the, the, the state and beat Hillary Clinton and it, and it launched him. Iowa is full of surprises. It always is. George Bush beat Reagan there. And so I think what you have to play for is just that. And here's the, the simple truth. The simple truth is Somebody's probably going to come in second in Iowa with about 16, 17% of the vote, like uh, Gary Hart did when, when we defeated him in 84. I, I ran the state. Mondale got 49% of the vote. Hart got, I think, 18, something like that. Didn't matter. He was second. 
the entire press corps and everybody who'd been bored all the way through knowing it was going to be Fritz just jumped on. We finally know who it is, which is what I think is going to happen this time. So if you're looking at 16, 17% winning you the state, this is pretty simple. It's literally building an organization, and it's not just the organization, but it's the candidate going into those rooms, uh, those cafes, those, those uh, uh, living rooms, those barns, having a really good organization that understands who showed up in that barn, uh, which 50 people in the county showed up, and hopefully 10 of them fell in love with you. And you sign them up and you get them to bring another 200 people the next time you come into that town. And you just keep doing that with an, with an eye on, on, not on Trump, but a, an eye on demolishing, you know, coming in second, beating the rest of the field. That's going to be the launch pad for somebody. Um, and that's what I would be doing right now. If the problem some of them have is is I think uh, DeSantis doesn't do well in a group of 50 people. That's a problem. Five, Dick Gephardt did. Or 5,000. Yeah, yeah, or or five, five, yeah. Dick, Dick Gephardt did very well. He was great in those kinds of settings. And there are lots of candidates. You know, uh, Huckabee on the Republican side was, had a great campaign. He had Chuck Norris that, who would go with him, and that would attract the crowd in. But he, he, they didn't, they lacked the organizational ability to take advantage of it. So I, I think that's what you, you, you want to do. You want to, you, you've got to understand that there's 99 counties. You've got to fight in all 99 of them. You need an organization in all 99 of them, including Page County, which is, you know, it's a small county, but you've got to be there. And you, you basically go in. Um, and the best strategy was Gary Hart. He, he called it. Concentric circle organizing was what we called it uh, from the Mondale side, looking at it. And what it was, was he'd go into every town looking to, to just drop a pebble in the water and let it ripple. And I mean, that pebble was the four or five people that he met with. And he spent so much time with those four or five just having a coffee or something that when he left, they rippled, talked to their friends, said, hey, come to the next one. So the concentric circle got bigger every time he came back in. And I think that's the that's the organizational path to one of these candidates being a surprise in Iowa by coming in second. Hell, one of them, you know, it could could possibly consolidate even more than that and shock some people. But I think right now, goal, second place, fight for it, win it, win that spot, go on to the next next state, go on to New Hampshire. Because the one thing that is going to happen in Iowa is a lot of these candidates are going to die in an Iowa cornfield. I've also been on that side of things too. So, so uh, you know, some of them are going to, uh, and we already saw one, Suarez uh, withdrew from the race uh, a few days ago. The mayor of uh, Miami probably ran out of money. That's usually the reason people get out uh, prior to a, to a vote in, in, in the Iowa caucuses. So now- That trippy show will always be free with support from our advertisers, and we try to work with partners we believe in. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. When you keep what's stressing you bottled up, it can really start to drag you down. That's where therapy can help. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime. Make your brain your friend with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Trippy today 
to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash trippy. Support for That Trippy Show comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is the only software your business will ever need. Featuring a suite of integrated business applications, Odoo connects your business operations together so you get more done in less time. Odoo has apps for everything. CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, marketing, manufacturing, you name it. Odoo's got it. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash trippy. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash trippy. And you mentioned New Hampshire, which I want to get to, but it strikes me, one question before we do that, being an Iowa primary voter, really on either side, means you are getting polled every day of your life. You are seeing more ads than almost all Americans ever would. Is that why, is it just the caucus structure or is that why that kind of concentric circle organizing, but like making a personal connection and having a candidate that you can actually see and talk to and shake their hand and listen to it. Does it all kind of feed like, is that why it's so important in Iowa? Well, I mean, the the TV is it's look at TV still important. Digital still important everywhere. I mean, obviously it's gaining more importance, but, but in Iowa, this is the turnout is so low. It's basically people have to, you can win a whole bunch of people with TV ads. Hey, that, you know, uh, this is why I'm great and everything. Okay. The problem here is somebody's got to get up and decide in a very cold night in the middle of winter, often with a ton of snow on the ground, that they're going to some gymnasium or, you know, other local meeting place, community center, you know, sometimes literally in someone's home and casting a vote. And it's, that's a, uh, it's not just, this is not a process where you just, you know, you, you've got drop boxes <laughs> you can, and you have 30 days uh, of early voting uh, in, a, in the primary to, to cast your vote for can No, you have to, in Iowa, you have to be really motivated to go to a, a caucus. It tends to be party regulars. The more extreme MAGA voters, for sure, will be populating this, you know, the, this exercise in these towns and they're going to go. And that's the sort of the problem that you have trying to defeat Trump there is the one thing you know is who's got the most motivation, you know, and, and is a cult following that will, will show up. Yeah. So you're, that's what I'm saying. Forget about him. Go get your, you have to get people excited about you and why you're better than the rest of this field and why you're the best one to to take on Trump. Because I suspect in most of these counties, the only people that might even consider you are people who are not going to be crazed to turn out for Trump. So, All right. So you don't need to make that and, case. Yeah. No, it's about, about getting them excited about you and, and more importantly, having the mechanism to get Charlie out of his house to the caucus voting and, you know, to get them there, uh, to know who they are, to make that phone call and, and, you know, and knock on that door or to, you know, hey, you you know, we'll pick you up and take you to the caucus. Uh, You know, it's it's a it's it's both a a candidate likability challenge and an organizational challenge like none other. 
uh, because in most states, once you get out, this, out of Iowa and New Hampshire, you know, it, you go to Michigan, you go to New York, you go to, to, to Texas, Florida, forget about it. You're not going to knock on it. It doesn't matter how, how, how strong your, your organization is. You, you know, it's going to be television, digital, your rallies, things like that. But in Iowa, it's completely different. And that's what's also interesting about the Trump thing, because I don't see him doing the 99. He doesn't have to. He's got crazies in every county so uh, in every town that will turn out for him. That's what they're banking on. So how different is it going from Iowa to New Hampshire? What do you have to do in New Hampshire differently than you have to do in Iowa? Well, I mean, it's a bunch. It's a it's it's a whole different game. It's the same game uh, at the, you know, local level uh, community centers, meeting people. I mean, in New Hampshire, they're pretty, you know, the, the, the joke there has always been, you know, you ask people, uh, you know, are you, you know, are, are you going to support uh, Jeb Bush in the 2016 New Hampshire primary? And they, they, the answer always is, I don't know. I only have met him six times. So they're very jaded, but very um, focused. They take the being first, the first primary very seriously, and you cannot ignore that. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Somebody who they only met once, no way, ain't going to happen there. They also love to knock down somebody who took Iowa. Uh, Mondial took Iowa, Hart demolished them. Um, Obama wins Iowa. Hillary Clinton wins New Hampshire. Uh, uh, George Bush won Iowa. Ronald Reagan wins New Hampshire. So there's some of that, but also it is that, that's what it's interesting. That's why I think second place in Iowa is so important, because if you come in second in Iowa, and Trump won it, and sort of the way New Hampshire works, you're on your way to giving this guy a fight in New Hampshire. Why? Well, first of all. It's pretty open primary there. That means independents can vote in the Republican primary. It also means Democrats can vote in the Republican primary if they want. You have to go in and say, yeah, I want to vote in the Republican primary that day, but you can do it on the same day. So it's, and with Biden not having a, a, a fight, I know RFK Jr. Uh, is trying to make hay out of, you know, Biden won't be on the ballot in New Hampshire, so, so I'll be on it and vote for me. I don't think a lot of Democrats are going to waste their time doing that. So you come out of Iowa, uh, with a little bit of uh, fire uh, in in the rocket uh, boosters come, coming out because you just took second place with 16%. There's plenty of instances of this, by the way. Then And you've done now, you have to have done the groundwork, right? You have to have been there in those rooms, taking New Hampshire seriously, answering their questions, uh, going, you know, doing all that. Those two things start matching up, we finally get to a place where we know by the end of New Hampshire and Iowa that um, who, the, who the, the, the real challenger who's emerged out of this boring, weird, strange, crazy cast of character candidates who by then will have done like, I don't know how many debates where no one emerged, everyone had, somebody had a moment, all that kind of stuff's gonna happen here. But in the end, I think all of it continues to after every debate, after every forum, it's going to be, yeah, this one did okay. That one did all right. Oh, there was, she had her moment, whatever. And on to the next one with no one really emerging until someone takes second in Iowa. And then if that happens, 
if they did their job right, really managed and organized, both of them are very important organizational states, but in different ways. Uh, New Hampshire is a primary state. People will be coming out, just you know, dropping about and leaving. Of you know, it's a much different process, a quicker process. The, the Republicans have streamlined their caucus process in, in Iowa too, but it's still not quite a primary. I I really do think that organizationally, those are the those may be the only two states that matter organizationally, but they also are the two states that matter the most. Personal likability of the candidate, uh, real answers on policy. And, you know, and what differentiating you from not from Trump so much, but from the rest of the field, those are the things that matter in those two, because by the time you get, you know, Ron DeSantis can can spend 20 million dollars on on ads in, in Michigan and, you know, with with a halo over his head and how wonderful he is. Uh, that's not going to work in Iowa, New Hampshire. If, you, if you're not the person in the ads. I mean, when they do, you run this, you spend millions of dollars on TV in Iowa and New Hampshire, but, but then they see you in person. And if you're not that guy or, you know, if you're not that candidate, you're just done. And I think that is part of, of, of his, uh, of his problem. Well, and and Tim Scott's seeing that right now, right? He's seeing what $40 million can't do for you. So, yeah, that's what I mean. You could do that. Then you go walk in there and they, they listen to you or you go to the debate and they see that and they just go. Uh, no, that's not that's not who I thought he was. And, uh, and you know, and, and so I think and also I mean, DeSantis, I think, seems to be banking on, you know, doing OK until we get to Florida. My guess is it'll be, you know, for him, uh, unless he can change, you, you know, right the ship in Iowa, New Hampshire, uh, then then, uh, you, you know, then he, he won't make it there. I mean, he, he could spend a ton of money there. But well, I'm, I'm glad you brought him up. And this was a question we got. Is it time for him to fold? I mean, at some point, right, he's basically just starting fights now just for the hell of it. Um, It came out this week that obviously uh, Florida's getting hit by a hurricane. Hope everyone is staying safe down there. And uh, if you want to donate to recovery efforts, uh, there's a bunch of great places to go, like the Red Cross. We'll, We'll link to that. But Ron DeSantis turned down like $350 million in what amounted to disaster relief money. And then, of course, hurricane hits like a couple weeks later. Like he got booed yeah. in Jacksonville, which, by the way, is yeah. his home turf in his home state. Like so like, should he quit? I mean, yeah, I mean, I think so. I've said that before. I've said that, I think. Three or four episodes ago that uh, that my best advice was to him would be to with I think right before the debate, you know, but I asked would people asked about, hey, what what debate debate advice would you give uh DeSantis? I said, you know, no, you, you know, you stick a fork in him, he's done. He should, you know, get out. I don't think he will. I think it is one of the worst campaigns I've ever seen uh run. And he's not a great candidate. So I don't see him going very far. You know, but we'll see. Look, the one thing you can never do is is never say never in this business. Uh, particularly in a multi-candidate field. Particularly when the leading candidate has four, well, dozens. Yeah, of that's what I mean. I mean, somebody, I, what I'm saying is somebody will emerge. It's it's just not possible. I mean, there's a couple, bunch of things. Like Trump, it doesn't mean somebody emerges and that means Trump's not the nominee. It just means somebody, there's going to be you know, even Reagan had Bush, you know, which which Bush did well enough that it, Reagan had to pick him to be VP to keep the party together. 
you know, it, I suspect some of these people are actually in the race hoping for that, right? You know, uh, Nikki Haley may be one of them, but it's still what she needs to do then is take second in Iowa, uh, really like Bush did, give them a run into, uh, into uh, New Hampshire and then fight as long as you can. Uh, you know, you might be able to vanquish them. A lot of us doubt that uh, and don't see who in the field could. But I wouldn't write anybody off at this point. I just think DeSantis is the one who I just think like um, there, I, I've, I keep saying this. It's not I'm not like uh, it's not the, that I'm like smart. It's that I've seen the movie before. I've seen candidates with DeSantis's problem and they they none of the ones I can think of have ever, you know, made it very far. And, you know, I I would even include in that, you know, Al Gore. Uh, who decided he was skipping Iowa the first time he ran. I'm not talking about uh, 2000, uh, but he ran for president and um, thought he would wait down and see, same thing. I'll, I'll do okay everywhere, but we're, you know, wait till Super Tuesday. I'll be the Southerner who takes the, who's, who storms the Southern states. Didn't happen. By the time we got there, you know, Dukakis was already, you, you know, already rolling Gephardt was doing better than Gore ever anticipated. Uh, they ended up splitting up a lot of that vote, and and Dukakis and and Jesse Jackson ended up winning most of the southern states. I mean, and and uh, Gore was on left on the side of the road. I mean, I was in that one uh, uh, that time with Gephardt. But I mean, when you go through them, when you when you're as a campaign manager, when you live through these things, and you've seen them. It's not so much that just what what we all you you all know or think about DeSantis. It's like, yeah, you know, he's making a lot of the same. He now Gore was a much better candidate than DeSantis, but DeSantis is making the same mistakes, and he's a much strategic worse candidate. Yeah, 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 that's what I mean. Yeah, strategic dis- mistakes. And um, but by the way, Gore learned from those t- strategic mistakes. So the next time he came back and, you know, uh, he was the city, the, the former vice, uh, uh, you know, the, the vice president, excuse me, the sitting vice president at the time. But, um, you know, it, it's, uh, uh, you know, so he was also, you know, had a, a coming from a stronger foundation within the party. He certainly, you know, wasn't going to be denied it. And so, you know, but but he also learned from the process, which is the other thing that if you've been through it as many times as me and others have been. You do learn from mis- I've made mistakes uh, in these states, and you learn from it. And th- that's the one thing about this field: none of them have any clue really how to do this, um, uh, nor their teams, I think. And so, it you know, a, a you know, somebody may get lucky and take second place in Iowa and then charge into New Hampshire. Uh, but what you want to do is be strong organization in both those states. Be in the small rooms in both those states and then parlay your second place finish in Iowa into making a run at the front runner in New Hampshire. Um, and then on from there, and it's the two of you and everybody else's. The funders all start to go, okay, I you know invested in this person, but I invested in Tim Scott, but it, it's going to be Nikki, whoever it is. And everything starts to consolidate around that person. So that's that's what you would try to do if you're if, if I was running one of these campaigns. So I kind of knew 
like as I wrote it, I kind of knew the lightning round idea was a bad one. But I'm glad you spent that much time on our first oh, couple great. of questions. So let's talk about how you actually move some of those voters. And this is from this is from Adam F. And I have some polling data that I can help him with too here. But you know, looking at the last debate, the last Republican debate, a lot of the candidates got tripped up mm-hmm. on Ukraine. It was kind of a consistent theme. We didn't get to this last week. I'm glad we're getting to it today. But it was kind of clear that once you got to foreign policy, everybody, except maybe Nikki Haley, which kind of makes sense given her brief resume, but everyone was kind of deer in the headlights. My question to you, Joe, from Adam is, what do you see as more important to voters, foreign policy expertise or domestic expertise? To put it another way, does foreign policy really matter all that much when it comes to make a choice on election day? I think I know what you're going to say, but I do have some points uh, for you too. It, it it almost never does. Uh, I, I I'm not saying that it doesn't, but you know it's got to be a, a something that's happening right then at the moment. Generally, uh, that people are focused on right then in the moment. You know, the one thing I do think that it's possible that Nikki Haley can differentiate herself. I mean, but one being sort of pro on the Ukraine side of, of, of things when even though the, the bulk of the party is big time, you know, with with Trump on 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 Putin's side uh, and with Tucker Carlson and the, and the crowd, it could differentiate her in a way that that gets her 17, 18 percent. And where she's articulate enough on that stuff, as you point out, because of her experience as UN ambassador um, and other stuff. I mean, so she could she could use that as a wedge away from the rest of the field to get people who care about it. But in the end, particularly with the polarization, not even the economy, domestic stuff in that sense has the same power that it used. I mean, it basically you're, you're seeing it now with with the with the uh, economic numbers being where they're at and and Biden's uh, approval ratings being on uh, the economy and his own approval ratings overall being low. A lot of that fueled by like, you know, 90 percent of the Republicans uh, will give him the lowest thing, lowest rating they possibly can on anything. It wouldn't matter what you ask them. Right. Uh, y- y- you know, uh, uh, they're they're going to say, no, I-, I disapprove of him. You know, where it matters. Yes, there'll be, you know, hopefully his his approval ratings. They're already going up with them with Democrats. Hopefully that that pulls in uh, and, and continues to grow with independents. But, um, you know, a lot of the historical uh, questions about, uh, you know, domestic issues, um, it's, you know, it, it, it versus the foreign policy, it's always been domestic, always. Uh, and you can't see, uh, you know, breakthroughs like the, the Iraq war in the 2004 election was became a big contrast, uh, again, because that one was so you can make it work for you. And that's what I'm saying. I mean, like, look, Howard Dean, we made that work for us, right? I mean, we were the only one out there in those primaries saying we were against the war. Uh, It got us to, you know, to lead the field. But in the end, it wasn't enough to get us, you know, to get us the nomination or even get us out of Iowa. I think Nikki Haley could be in a little bit different position because you know, and we needed to get to 35, 40% to win Iowa against Kerry. Right. She only needs 17 or so to take to, second. To come in second, yeah. which would be a big surprise for her. So, 
So uh, I, you know, I can't rule out that the foreign policy stuff won't matter, that it's always domestic, but they, it usually is. And particularly, by the way, in the general, in the general election, you know, the economy usually weighs on the incumbent president. If it's good economy, that that takes a lot of the weight off. If it's a bad one, you carry that. You're carrying that in, into the into November. And the the one other thing I would point out, though, is that Trumpism and Trump himself, you know, him, the indictments, all that's, you know, it, a lot of the things we talk about, like the economy. Oh man, the inflation's this high, gas prices going up. Oh, the the it's going to be a massive red wave in 2022. Well, that didn't pan out. And, and so that which gets me to the point, it's not clear to me that domestic, economic or foreign policy are going to be what people make their decisions on. I mean, I'm talking about not people that have already gone to their corners here. I'm talking about, you know, voters that end up looking at this and, and saying, yeah, I don't like either one of them, but I, I'm not going to vote for somebody who's been indicted in 91 counts, uh, maybe found guilty, even though the the six of the or six and a half of the right. people on the stage said they would vote for him even if he was found guilty uh, or support him if he was the nominee even if he was found guilty. So we're in that we're in that polarized place right now where those people I think may vote for democracy even like yeah hey I think uh, Joe Biden's old you know I wish we had somebody younger but given the choice between him and uh, somebody like Donald Trump, who, who said basically has a plan to demolish most of the government, <laughs> and, you know, if not, you know, he already right. tried once to coup it. Yeah, I think in the end, it may not be. I, one, I also think the economy's, you know, uh, uh, been strong enough that it isn't uh, it isn't going to be that easy an attack as it normally would be. And I think that got proven in 2022. Well, the interesting thing on the economy, and I was actually talking to a Democratic pollster about this this week, was kind of confirming your point. The reality is voters, however good the economy is, which it's pretty good, voters still think it's terrible. And there's a bunch of decisions on the kind of more micro level that you know could could tilt it one way. One question we got was 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 essentially as a campaign tactic, which is really what it is. Governors like DeSantis are actually turning down free federal money for their states. They're they're not taking Inflation Reduction Act money. Is that a message that Biden can use next year? Like, how do we how do we kind of turn that around, or is that too far kind of into no, inside I, I baseball? Think, look, it's what just happened in in Florida. You turn down the money, and then people are in trouble. You need you need federal help to rebuild after a hurricane. Um, and I think, you know, that's going to be, you, you know, people, uh, you know, should be sticking it to, to DeSantis on, on, on that. Uh, so I, I, look, I think all of this gets again back to, you know, when we're talking about a general now, you're talking about, you know, literally three, 300,000 people in, in maybe 400,000 in, in six states, seven states are going to decide this thing. I mean, that's how polarized we are. We see it in the polls. That's why that's why a guy with 91 counts can still be sitting around 43, 44 percent of the vote and in a dead heat uh, or, you know, or, or slightly behind uh, Biden. But that that's why. And it's really that last group. Right. Who who 
primarily talk, you know, say that they that there's things they don't like about either one of them. Uh, but when you press them, uh, and when I've seen pollster after pollster, you know, push them, okay, you know, you you don't like either one, but you you had to vote which one. They they almost always, in fact, I think always in every poll I've seen, break to to Joe Biden. I think there's things that will also inform that the pro Putin party, you know. Joe, Joe Biden's accomplishments versus the chaos. And there'll be more as Donald Trump lashes out about the indictments and the trials and everything. And, and of course, Marjorie Taylor Greene and, and others won't be able to help themselves. And they'll, they'll say, you know, say crazy things and, and, and make the chaos even clearer. And some of them would be, you know, being, you know, de demonstrating that they're pro-Putin in the midst of, you know, horrible atrocities that he's committing on a um, daily basis. So I think all these things right. mean that, that, you know, that the standard, where's the economy, you know, even it'll be interesting, but to see whether as you get into the general election, whether, whether the Republican candidate will actually be coming out against Ukraine. I mean, literally saying it more out loud that he'll take money or she'll take money from I mean, Haley won't, but I'll be interesting to see that because I think there will be the group that it will move away from the uh, Republican nominee, the Republicans that remember exactly what, what Putin is, remember Reagan or urging Gorbachev to take down that wall, all that stuff, who go like, what the hell? And it's you're talking, maybe it's only five points, maybe it's only 10 points, but I think more of those people are going to leave and uh, either not vote or vote for Biden or potentially a third party, which has its problems, which we talk about all the time, but unlikely to get them more votes than they lose. In other words, they've already got, if you're a white supremacist who loves Putin, you're already there, man. <laughs> you're gonna vote for, for, for Trump. I mean, yeah. that's what I'm saying. So it'll be interesting. I think as a primary thing, it's very, you know, it's, it's clear some of them are like, yeah, yeah, that's I'm with them. <laughs> I'm with. I want all you people who 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 love Putin uh, to vote for me. Nikki didn't take that bait. She went the other way. Uh, it's but but I think some of these people who are saying this now are gonna are are you know gonna like do the the old chuck and jive and move back the other way or just stay silent on Ukraine and which will make it less of an. I mean, it it won't be the battleground, although. Uh, Biden and Democrats should make it if that's what if, if that's what if it's been a pro-Putin person who gets the, the nomination, that'll be a dividing right. line with that group that, that you need to move. Now, writ large, there'll be plenty of people in the Trump-Putin party uh, side and plenty uh, with Biden and, uh, and, and right, Ukraine, but, they but the, they aren't going to move. It's this other group that, that they may move because of that. Some of them will okay. move because of abortion, because of Dobbs. I mean, we're seeing that, right? You know, right. Uh, Republican suburban women. So, you know, it's, 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 that's what I'm saying. I think it's more of those kind of, you know, 10,000 here, 100,000 there, 40,000 here kind of things instead of writ large, oh, the economy sucks. I'm voting this guy out. That's not going to happen. So, okay, Joe, I got good news and bad news. The bad news is we're just about out of time. Good news is we have plenty more of these for a future show. So I'm going to let you pick one here. You want to talk about Arizona, or do you want a question on the process? Oh, okay, process. I don't know. I have no idea what these questions are, folks. So uh, I could have just like really screwed myself. 
That's yeah. the point of a lightning round. Okay, so this is from Simeon in North Carolina. He says, as a North Carolinian, I'm hoping to see efforts like ranked choice voting make some headway in offering up space in the political discourse beyond modern hyperpartisanship. Do you think Democrats can be convinced to support something like that, to offer GOP voters a way out of the far right abyss, or is it a missed opportunity to scoop up independence? So Joe, is ranked choice voting the solution here? No, I think that's a. It's not a bad. Uh, there are a bunch of different ways. Uh, I think that that um, uh, that could be improved, and ranked choice voting would be one that I would support. I also think. Um, I mean, you know, I'm talking about moving forward here. Nothing. None of this is really going to change in the 2024 election. I also think you know um, the open primaries that California has, for example. It, it, you know, is really you know we're the first two, regardless of party, make it to the. To the runoff uh, to the general election is it, 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 I, I've participated in those. I mean, and we, you, Alex, you and I've done them, and they're much different races than these than you know than than uh, you know than a Republican nominee and a Democratic nominee fighting in the. It, it merely makes all the candidates you know talk to all the voters because they can in in these primaries. So I, I, there's several of them I think um, could be useful, and that states are actually some states are actually. But, you know, you know, uh, Maine has ranked choice voting for everything. I don't think they have it for president, but for governor, Senate, you know, for the, for their other races, they have ranked choice voting. I think uh, I think, it, you know, it it works. Well, what's cool about ranked choice is that in theory, it kind of blunts the Trojan horse campaigns of a third party. Right. Yeah. The, the third party spoilers don't don't that you oh you could vote for a third party spoiler. Great. But then you're you're then. You know, asked to vote in the next round if your third party spoiler isn't on the ballot, and you can go back and vote. You know, you know, for one of the the candidates, the the two that make it, uh, and so forth. And then, and that's how you you. Uh, so I think ranked choice voting gives people the opportunity to vote that way, uh, but they aren't throwing their vote out. They're they're still going to participate on electing the person that actually ends up representing them or or winning the presidency. Um, but, you know, right now, um, you know, I think, you know, like I said, none of that's going to happen between now and, and, and November 24, you know, maybe one state's considering something. The reality, though, is, you know, the best advantage um, that we have right now is the contrast of Trump and Biden on the ballot. It's the it is, uh, you, you know, a third party makes it at this stage, given, look, we've talked about this enough, uh, but I'm gonna, you could keep saying it. There are no centrist Trump MAGA voters. I mean, it's this whole idea of we're going to go out and attract as many centrist voters from Trump as we are from Biden, and then we'll win the right. election that no labels puts out. is just complete, utter bullshit. And if you just step back and don't, you know, don't listen to how nice that all sounds, and think about it for a nanosecond. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Those those centrist, independent thinking, unity voters that Trump has will leave Trump and vote for no labels. Yeah, because yeah, all all one of them. <laughs> he's, he, he if he has one of those people, I'll be blown out. But you know, okay. But so give them one. They get one vote. Where do you think the other 200,000 are going to come from or 400,000 are going to come from? All out of Joe Biden. And in Georgia, 
Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Arizona, Nevada. Uh, guess, guess how close those races are going to be and what that could impact. So, uh, you know, I think there's, there's lots of ways we can change the, the, the voting process that would be big improvements over, over uh, and reforms that, that could really serve people and their choices. But no labels offering a third choice right now is a reckless disaster. I know that wasn't a direct answer to no, your question. No, I think it got there. But yes, I'd be for I'd be for RCV. I'd be for uh, before. So, it. Joe, that's just about all the time we've got today. I promise we will get to more of these in a future episode. Thanks, Alex, and thanks everyone for listening to that trippy show. A reminder that this podcast will always be free and is part of Resolute Square. Check out the latest at resolutesquare.com slash trippy. Also, I should say one of the ways it's always free is we are starting to do ads on, take ads on the show to help pay for our production costs. And so I I hope you guys will put up with listening through them. Uh, Most of them are are things I believe in uh, or Alex does and, 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 uh, uh, but they're, they're going to continue to be, uh, be on for a while. We, and we thank those sponsors for, for making it possible for us to, to keep doing this. Please subscribe and thank you for listening to make it possible. Thanks. Uh, Please subscribe to That Trippy Show and leave a review on Apple or wherever you listen. You can always send us a question to thattrippyshow at gmail.com or leave us a question in a review on iTunes. And Alex is actually starting to find new and unique ways to to get the uh, listener questions in there. We'll probably do some more lightning rounds. I kind of had fun with it. Hope you did too. See you next week.